Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 16th of November, and my name is Helen Freer. The US Senate has passed a funding bill to avert a government shutdown. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and all the latest market news with Bernadette Anderko. Then I'll be talking about copper with Carsten Menke and getting his latest thoughts there. And Nicola Jordan is also on the show this morning to update us on the latest news from the CIO office. But let's start with the market news. Good morning, Bernadette. Good morning, Helen. So perhaps you could start with a roundup of what happened in equity markets yesterday. Yes, well, uh, Switzerland aside, uh, European stock markets had a positive day yesterday and the good mood continued in the US session, uh, which obviously saw the announcement of the latest inflation data. Um, October's producer price index, which obviously gauge of wholesale prices, slid 0.5%. That marks the biggest monthly decline since April 2020, and uh, investors reacted positively. The Dow added more than 160 points to close its fourth consecutive winning session with a gain of around 0.5%. S&P 500 and Nasdaq Composite slightly more muted, they climbed around uh, 0.1%. Um, A reminder of where we are, though, in terms of a year-end rally, with November about halfway through now, the S&P 500 is up more than 7% for the month. The Dow is nearly 6% higher, and uh, the Nasdaq, clearly the uh, winner in the race at the moment, up 9.8% currently. In after-hours action, however, we did see shares of Cisco Systems dropping 11% after the company offered weak guidance for the current quarter and the full fiscal year. And Palo Alto Networks shed 5% after the cybersecurity company issued um, a bad forecast on billings. Okay, um, let's move across to Asia now. We've had some news after the presidents of China and the US had their much-anticipated meeting. What came out of this? Yeah, well, uh, President uh, Xi Jinping and the US President Joe Biden um, have agreed to resume high-level military communication, according to both countries. Uh, President Xi Jinping said China wants to be friends with the US. His nation doesn't want to fight a war with anyone. Somewhat randomly, he started talking about how they're now going to start sending pandas to US zoos. So I, I guess he's trying to show that there's a sense of camaraderie between the two nations. What was announced uh, by a Biden official after the summit was that the US Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, is going to meet with his Chinese counterpart when that person has been selected. A reminder, the previous uh, defense secretary in China was removed from office recently, and we don't know why. And what about markets then in Asia overnight? Yeah, um, market-wise, the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index slid uh, with Chinese shares in Hong Kong leading the decline after home prices there fell the most in eight years. It seems to be revealing that the property slump is worsening even after the government's ramped up its efforts to revive demand. Uh, New home prices in 70 cities, um, excluding state-subsidised housing, declined 0.38% last month. Um, we saw the Hang Seng Index fall 1.05% after having gained almost 4% in the previous session. Hong Kong listed shares of Xpeng dropped 4.2% after the Chinese electric vehicle company reported a wider quarterly loss. And technology stocks in Hong Kong fell over 2%. They were weighed down by a sell-off in Xiaomi and Tencent. Uh, that erased its gains as by as much as 2%. And investors are also now awaiting corporate earnings from Alibaba Group Holding and NetEase um, following the encouraging results from JDCom and Tencent Holdings. The rally in US Treasuries this week following the soft inflation print in the US seems to be taking a breather. Treasuries rose slightly in Asia after a sell-off in the US yesterday, where the 10-year rate rose eight basis points to above 4.5%. 
The US dollar pulled back from its day's highs and was trading 0.1% higher overnight. Now, um, I mentioned it at the beginning, we have to also talk about the news in the US that the Senate has passed a bill that will avert a government shutdown. Yes, Helen, the, the US Senate overwhelmingly approved a temporary funding measure to avert a government shutdown, which will delay a partisan clash over federal spending until the new year. Uh, importantly, they have left out emergency aid to both Ukraine and Israel. Uh, this short-term funding bill that the Senate's approved will now allow both parties to regroup over the Thanksgiving holiday on next Thursday, the 23rd of November, while talks continue on a border security compromise and broader spending deals. Okay. Um, and today then, what should we be looking out for? Yeah, well, with the two inflation reports behind them, I think investors will now be focusing on the economic data on topics such as US jobless claims and industrial production today. And they'll also be following remarks expected from Fed officials, including the Cleveland president, Loretta Mester, and the New York president, John Williams, at events throughout the day. We've also got more um, earnings coming in, uh, including Macy's and Walmart, I think, which is uh, slated before the bell today. And then Gap will be after the market closes. With everything that's happening then, how are we expecting markets to open today? Yeah, uh, looking at the futures boards, um, I think the markets could just take a breather. Um, it looks like we're set for a marginally weaker open in the US today. That's it from me, Helen. Great. Thank you very much, Bernadette, for the roundup this morning. Thanks for having me on. Now, Carsten, good morning, firstly. Good morning, Helen. So we're talking about copper this morning. Let's start with the most recent news. Yesterday, China provided its monthly economic update. What are the most important takeaways for copper? Well, I think that from an industrial metals market point of view, it was more of the same. So overall investment growth in the Chinese economy continued to slow in October in particular impacting the infrastructure and property sectors. And we've heard it before from uh, Bernadette property prices continue to fall uh, as well. As regards infrastructure, this confirms our view that the recently announced package of 1 trillion yuan is not enough to boost metals demand. This is not least because the affected sectors, water conservancy, flood prevention, and post-disaster recovery are not very metals intensive. And again, regarding the property market, uh, activity continues to decline, prices continue to decline, uh, sales and starts were down by more than 20% year-on-year, which of course does not bode well for construction materials demand such as steel or concrete. That said, property completions continue to grow, re reflecting the government's ambition to finish existing projects and to hand them over to the people that paid for them. And this focus is uh, on completions is actually positive for copper demand, which is exposed more to the middle and later stages of the construction process. Uh, think of the wiring, think of the heating and the cooling system, think of uh, household goods. But this differentiation you've just made between property starts and completions doesn't seem to be being made by the market, right? Um, copper's no. caught in a range with prices down around 2% so far this year. Yeah, that's true. So the market does not differentiate. And I think this is because copper is seen as an overall proxy of economic activity. And if the economy does not do well, especially in China, uh, copper doesn't do well and vice versa. Uh, at the moment, uh, it is not very easy to be bullish on copper, I have to say, no matter what the market's fundamentals say. In fact, the mood among short-term traders in the copper futures market is very bearish. 
Okay. And when you say the mood in the market is bearish, what does that mean in terms of your outlook? Well, essentially, it means that a lot of negative news is priced in, which is good if you if you're looking to invest in copper. So traders had to digest so much negative news from China, not just in terms of economic numbers, but also the related noise of property developers defaulting, etc, etc, which is simply weighing on the mood in the copper market. And what kind of positive news are you seeing at the moment? Well, there's two things, in fact. First, uh, we have the demand from the energy transition, which from our point of view will be the single most important demand driver going forward. So we will have record solar and wind energy installations this year, and sales of electric vehicles are rising rapidly. Secondly, there's the supply side. Nobody's talking about supplies anymore, which have grown very strongly during the past two years. Yet, we have seen a slowdown in mine supplies as of late, reflecting a mix of weather-related disruptions, political protests, and then blockages of mines. And if the market mood was more bullish, traders would certainly have jumped on these news. And the supply side is also key to your longer-term positive view, right? In, indeed, it is. Yeah, Our projections still show a very significant slowdown in mine supply growth from 2025 onwards as no major projects are reaching the market. This is due to past underinvestment or past low prices uh, because they didn't incentivize any large-scale explorations. And the latest project, the latest big project, which reached the market was Cobra Panama, which at the moment is caught in a storm of social and environmental protests. Okay, so all in all then, you stick to your positive view. Yes, we do, because eventually supply and demand fundamentals play out in the commodity markets. It's absolutely our experience. And in the case of copper, we, we do see the structural undersupply from 2025 onwards. Hence, I think a little more patience may be required before prices start to move lastingly higher. Okay, thank you very much, Karsten. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. And let's move on to you now, Nicola. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Helen. So perhaps you could start with the latest news from the Investment Committee. Sure. Well, as you know, the equity market correction that we expected to take place over summer lasted actually a bit longer than we initially anticipated. However, this month we finally saw some relief as rates declined and the S&P 500 is rising sharply. Overall, we have seen pretty solid earnings season and economic data suggests that the US labor market is cooling slowly but surely. As we heard from Bernadette, the key data points this week and in fact for the entire month of November were the US inflation figures. After the August and September figures were received with some disappointment, this narrative gave way on Tuesday with the publication of near zero month-on-month -month inflation which dropped even before the effect of the recent fall in the oil price could be felt. So all components of inflation have moved favorably, reassuring investors that disinflation is continuing. In a nutshell, we have not changed our view on inflation. We still think that 3% is the new 2% due to the effects of the energy transition and the retirement of the baby boom generation. We think that Given the current developments, a further fall towards 2% is definitely possible or even probable, but it is likely to be temporary as maintaining this level on a permanent basis will be more difficult. So what are your expectations for the rest of the year then? What should investors be doing? 
Well, as mentioned before, we believe that the interim equity market correction is over and the bull market that begun just over a year ago is back on track. But with US indices now approaching overbought territory on the back of the strong uptick since the start of the month, a short-term breather of a few percentage points can be expected before the general uptrend resumes. Looking at the longer term, we think it's probably prudent to lock in some yields at current levels, given that rates could come down eventually. We know that it is still tempting to wait in cash and earn 5%, but 12 months from now we may regret not having locked in returns more durably at levels we can only have dreamed of two years ago. Okay, um, let's quickly talk about China. You've been quite negative on Chinese capital markets for a while now. What do you make of the current situation? Yeah, well, President Xi's decision to participate in this APEC summit in San Francisco was definitely a welcome surprise for us as well. I think Biden's and Xi's attendance and their meeting reveal a desire on both sides to ease relations between Beijing and Washington. The two superpowers are aware that their room for maneuver is limited in today's multipolar world, and we see the risks of a confrontation therefore lower. But as far as Chinese equities are concerned, we think they could reach a bottom soon, as a lot of negativity has been priced in over the last few months. Um, but we think that beyond that, um, structural problems will remain in the Chinese economy and therefore remain cautious on a structural level. That's all from my side. Back to you, Helen. Excellent. Thanks very much, Nicola, for joining us this morning. Thank you. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We'd love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be back talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.